uh, yep, where's the announcements, where's the welcome? Later. We're just mixing it up a little bit. Here we are in week two of this series called Is It Possible? Walking through the seven miracles that John in the Gospel of John picks out. He just picks out seven, even though there are like 34 miracles in the Gospels. John identifies seven. There's a reason for the seven because these seven miracles are seven signs that reveal who Jesus is and what he does and what he forever does. And the combination of all that is amazing. And maybe in this season, if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it because there's some foundational pieces there last week uh, that really, really help. Now, with that in mind, let me just put it obvious to you. Some of you here right now need a miracle. You need a miracle. Something's going on in your life, in your family, in whatever, you need a miracle. But let me say this at the top, even though we're focusing on the power of God and his miraculous power, don't seek miracles, seek Jesus. Don't seek miracles, seek Jesus. And with that in mind, uh, we've got our first We Pray after the summer break happening a week from tomorrow night. And so rather than do, we always do the first Monday of the month, and you're thinking, Des, it's not the first Monday of the month a week from tomorrow. But because of Labor Day and all of that spinning in, we're doing an August, September two-for-one deal. And so we've got our first We Pray gathering happening a week from tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in this room. They are the most, the most important gatherings of the month for the church. Our We Pray nights are the most important. We are not a church that prays. We're becoming a house of prayer, which is what Jesus called his church to be. And it's really, really important. If you've never been, you, you come. You'll be more than blessed. It's an incredible, dynamic, interactive moment. If you feel like, oh no, I'm going to have to pray when I come to we pray, you're not put on the spot. It is something that you will just be able to be in the house of prayer, receive prayer, give prayer. It's amazing. It's amazing. Please prioritize it a week from tomorrow night, okay? Seven o'clock in here is really big because the season in front of us is extremely significant for you, for us as a church, for this state, for this nation, for the world. And so we have to approach the throne of grace with confidence in prayer. Have I made my point clear? You got it? So whatever your schedule is a week from tomorrow night, if it doesn't say we pray in your schedule, your schedule's wrong. Okay? Fix it. Get here, 7 o'clock. All right. Number two miracle of the seven. This one, out of the seven, if I was to test people randomly and say, name the seven miracles that John lists, this is the one that people struggle to remember. You can probably think, oh yeah, water into wine. Oh yeah, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Oh yeah, Jesus walks on water. Oh, he heals a blind man. Oh, he raises Lazarus from the dead. But this one, this one gets missed. This one is probably the least preached about, the least known. It's not that you won't know it, unless you. but if you're new to the scriptures, then you won't have heard it before. But there's something in it that's unique. And it's really unique in who Jesus reveals who he is. And this has a huge impact on your life and my life today. Huge. So, 
We're going to read it through, but let me set the tone for it. I was dwelling on this, and let me ask a question. I think this miracle story raises a question. Are you desperate? Are you prepared to do whatever it takes to seek Jesus? In your circumstances, or maybe for your circumstances. Why does Jesus behave this way at this miracle? Why does he do it? It raises those questions. So we've got an intellectual question, why does he do this? Which is a theological question. But then there's a very human response to it that raises to me, am I desperate? Am I prepared to do whatever it takes to do what Jesus says? So let's read through this whole miracle. We're going to look at it. This is what it is. And then we're going to look at why Jesus does this. And then we're going to look at so what? How does that impact me and you today? And it really does. It really does. John chapter 4, verses 46 to 53. It'll be on the screen. If you brought a Bible, I encourage you to open it and see it. So you see it in your text. So you can underline things and interact with it. Or if you've got the Bible on your phone, that's cool. It's on the screen as well. Here we go. I'll try my best not to stop as we go, okay? Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. When I was preparing all this, I like questions everywhere. Like questions, because John is like just encapsulating something that clearly took longer. He's encapsulating something, and the Lord inspired him to reveal just enough. So let's look at it. Let's look at why Jesus did this, then we'll lean in. Let's just go verse by verse through this, and a high-level view, go there. And if this raises more questions, it raises more questions. Can I just put it to your friends? Like, if you've got questions and you don't find answers, reach out to me, and I'll tell you that I don't really have the answer either. Or we can find out together. Let's do this. The scriptures are alive, like alive, and we get to interact with them. So here we go. 
Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Here it is again. We don't have the guy's name. Just like last week. The wedding. Don't have the name. Here it is again. How rude. Why not mention the guy's name? What do we know about the royal official? Scholars, the majority of scholars come down on one point here. Many scholars believe that this royal official was probably an official working with Herod Antipas and he's probably stationed in Capernaum where Herod is the ruler over the Galilee kind of like region down there in Capernaum and he's working for him, under him. That's where it is, okay? He is likely a Jewish believer at that time. Just so you know, some people are oh, is he a Roman? This is a different miracle than the Roman centurion's son. It's a different one, okay? So we know this, that he's got some significance in society. He's kind of important and he can call upon even the, the tetrarch at that time, Herod Antipas, if he needs to. But here's a situation that no earthly king can fix. He's heard enough, he's seen enough, he's stationed there, and he finds out that Jesus is in Cana, he's in Capernaum, so he sets off on approximately, depending on whereabouts in Capernaum he was and whereabouts in Cana it is, let's just for sake of the argument, around about 20 miles. Put it into context, they ain't a freeway 20 miles. Hey, on foot, probably at some point, it's 20 miles a journey and it's uphill all the way. It's uphill, which is why he says to Jesus, come down. It's uphill, but here's this guy. Jesus is 20 miles away. For want of a better word, that would normally be a two-day kind of a journey, but we know if you are desperate, you're moving. Yeah? You're moving with a bit more intensity. But either way, it's a long journey. And either way, he leaves his son behind who's close to death. Sit with that. His son's close to death. Do you leave his side? He trusts other people, which is a big deal for what you get to do after the service today. He trusts other people because he has to go with faith to the only one who he believes can save this situation. And it's a long journey. He's got to get there and he's got to get back. He's going there hoping to convince Jesus to come back. But either way, there's days. It's days. It's not a quick 10 minutes. It's days. Sit with that. Sit with that. Feel the drama and the emotion and the tension of this desperate situation. And he goes and the scriptures want us to know that he went to him. He goes to Jesus with this desperate situation and begs him to come down and heal his son. Historians would show that why is John using this word 
begged, he likely has fallen to his knees and pleaded with Jesus. This royal official doesn't care really right now about his role or his job or his title or his status. He just begs Jesus. He begs Jesus. Some of you have been begging Jesus and some of you have stopped begging Jesus. And some of you have never begged Jesus. But he begs Jesus because his son is close to death. It's so personal. His son is close to death. We won't go there, but we could go there, could we not? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Everything's all pointing around here. There's a, there's a heart emotion going on. And then Jesus throws in this one-liner to the people all around. Verse 48, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, he told them, you'll never believe. It's like he comes and he's like, come down and heal my son. And Jesus seems a bit insensitive. Oh, great. So you're only interested if I can perform a miracle for you. And all you guys are doing is you're chasing the miracles. Hello? Are you following me and chasing me because of what I can do? Or because of who I am? Why are you chasing after me? Are you chasing the miracles? Or are you chasing Jesus? So he just wants to put it there and go, oh, so you're here for the show. You're here for me to demonstrate my power. And maybe you're hoping I am the Messiah or not. And you're here for it. And he just throws it in there. And I think it's so powerful. Maybe some of you, I won't see it. I won't believe it till I see it. I won't believe it till I see it. Maybe you know people who are like, nah, the whole God thing or even Jesus thing. Like, I need to see it to believe it. We, we want to remove faith, and we want to just go, yeah, it's just blindly obvious. There's no real major trust. It's an intellectual decision that I'm going to make, and Jesus just puts it in there, and then he responds. Now, with all this in mind, let's just go there. Our mind is wired for, give me the evidence Yes. Give me the facts. Yes. Nothing wrong in that. But way back in the 11th century, there was this theological thinker philosopher uh, by the name of Anselm, Anselm of Canterbury. And he said many amazing, brilliant things, but on the screen is a quote. A quote that years and years ago, I remember reading and going, okay, Des, uh, where am I with this? He gives a quote and he just says this. For I do not seek to understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. Let's just sit there for a minute. I don't think all the facts, all the information, yes, I believe it. No, he's thinking, I believe it, and now I have a posture to understand life. And there's a subtle but huge posture shift there. I trust Jesus first and then. That's why the famous text from Proverbs 3 is there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, like look to him, acknowledge him, and your path will be straight. Some of you today, the posture shift is believe Jesus. Not believe in Jesus, believe Jesus. Faith is not believing in God, faith is believing God. I don't, Anselm, this genius came up with this quote, I do not seek to understand in order that I can believe. No, I believe in order to understand. Does faith help us make sense of life? Or do we need to make sense of life in order to have faith? I think you know the answer. Carry on, verse 49. The royal official said, Sir, saying to Jesus, come down before my child dies. Desperate. You've got to come now. You've got to come now. I'm sure the emotion, the passion. He maybe is even getting a little bit. You've got to. You've got to. And Jesus replied, maybe Jesus sees this faith. Oh, you now know the king who you serve. You know, he's, he has no power over this, does he? But you believe I have. And you trust me, you may go. Your son will live. 20 miles away, hours upon hours away, Jesus has performed a miracle. He's not gone close. He's not put a hand on it. He's just said it. Outside of the space, outside of time, he just says the word. And then the beauty, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Took Jesus at his word. Whatever we know is there's a posture shift that the guy goes, really? If Jesus said it, it's true. And departs. Like, wow, you may go. He trusted Jesus. There's still a timeline. He's still got to go and find out, but he trusts him and he leaves. I've had moments in my life where I've trusted Jesus and the reality of trusting what he said has been some time later. But he still had to leave. Still had to go. He could have, which wouldn't be out of the question. No, Jesus, I know you're saying go, but, but just in case, <laughs> you need to come with me. Like, just in case he is better, but he gets sick again. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving until you come with me. But it comes a point where he just trusts Jesus. And then sometime later, he finds out. Verse 51, while he was still on the way, because it's a long way in those days, his servants met him. So his servants have seen his son. His son is alive and well and doing whatever he's doing. And his servant's going, we need to go tell this guy he doesn't need to bring Jesus anymore. We need to go tell him. Let's go. They didn't sit back and wait. They're like good news bearers. These servants who, again, have got no name. Here again, servants see the miracle firsthand. Servants see the sick boy not sick anymore. Last week, servants were the ones, the only ones who saw it happen were the servants who saw the water turn into wine. They're the only ones. Servants. There's a whole posture of life 
Don't you ever, ever, ever believe God can't use you. And don't think you're too good to expect God to use you. Just a humble posture. Mind-blowing. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, I mean, why? why care? There's a reason why. They said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Specific. Yesterday. So again, see the timeline? Yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. That's just a huge statement. I don't know where your household is at right now. What's going on in your household? Your family or extended family? In regard to their walk with Jesus or not, or just in regard to stuff, in regard to health and emotion and it's all here. There's so much here. I could dwell on this for weeks and weeks, but why does it matter that we find out the time? Why is, why is that in this miracle? Why is it there? Nothing's there by chance. There's something here that I'm just going to go a quick aside and talk to you about who is God where does God, God come from? How is Jesus revealing that he is God in this miracle? Because this time and location thing has got a lot to do with it. Now, some of you may be familiar with all of this because it's been around for a long time and it's good and it's true and it's solid. I would say it's been there from the beginning of time. But this is where some of you need to start seeing who God is and you have that question well who is God but where did God come from and this happened and if God created us who created God all these different things this miracle reveals something about Jesus divinity which is amazing okay for God to be God he has to be beyond outside of before everything we know because if he's not he's not God if God is confined he's not God so the very God who we worship the very God who we worship is outside of time outside of a specific space and he is outside of material matter he has to be God has to be outside of time space and matter we live inside of time, space, and matter. If there's no time of when this occurred, then we have no when. We need a when. We need a when. We need a moment. Here's a miracle. There's a when. The whole world, there has to be a when. There has to be a time, a beginning, a start. If there's no location, we need a space. We, we don't have a where. We need a where. So we have a when and we have a where, then we have to have matter, which is a what. This is really important. And when people are investigating the whole thing about God, and then when they realize, of course, for God to be God, he has to be outside of time, space, and matter. 
And then for Jesus to reveal that he is God, he has to demonstrate his power outside of time, space, and matter. We saw water into wine, his power over matter. So here he is, revealing his power outside of time, and there's this moment outside of space, he doesn't even have to be there. And his power over matter, healing this son. So let's just see time, space, matter, evidently in the very first verse of the Bible. Just 10 words reveal this. Genesis 1, 1. Jesus is performing this miracle. <laughs> Genesis 1, 1 is all there. Who is God? How incredible. So here we go. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heavens, there's space. And the earth, there's matter. You, you when you're coming to worship and the, oh, wow, God moment, this is awesome. You, maybe when you're dialoguing with, dialoguing with people of who is God and where is God and where did God come from, they're asking the wrong question of where God came from. God is outside of time, space, and matter. The only way he can be God. And here it is. You just take them to the very beginning. In the beginning. And all of science reveals there was a beginning. In the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. I, I nail that, and some of you are like, okay, it's just 10 words. Now let me reveal something, one of my favorite text in scripture that just makes me burst into song. I won't burst into song today. So in the context of Genesis 1-1, in the context of this miracle that's just a little different, but not God revealing his divinity, let me just reveal what the apostle Paul, having met Jesus, been saved by Jesus, radically transformed by Jesus, lives his life on mission for Jesus. Let's just reveal what he says to a church in Colossae about Jesus. The reference is on screen and nothing more because I want you to listen in and listen to these words. This is Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. In the context of God outside and the ruler over time, space, and matter, he says this. This is talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Solideo Gloria. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's my king. 
beyond time, space, and matter. So I live in the confines of time, space, and matter. Who am I running to in my situations, in my circumstances? Who am I running to just like this royal official takes the uphill journey? Who am I running to? And Jesus reveals his divinity and his sovereignty. He's outside of time, space, and matter. At the seventh hour time, Jesus doesn't have to be there in that space. His son is healed. The physical matter is restored. Wow. So let's bring this up close and personal. Okay? Let's bring it up close. Good, good, good talk, guys. Nice. Good talk. It's helpful. Bring it up close. We can look at this and see a historical moment. We can look at it and see why Jesus does it to reveal his divinity. But at the same time, don't miss the humanity. This is just a dad whose son is dying. It's just a dad whose son is dying. Begging for Jesus to heal him. Desperate. He is desperate. How desperate are you? Takes a risk, leaves his son behind. Takes the multi day separation from his son. He trusts other people to make sure his son's okay. Are you doing this Jesus life alone? Not meant to be that way. You've got around you. He's prepared to do whatever it takes. So here we are today. Maybe you're just a dad, just a mom, and it's hard. Maybe you're just a husband, or just a wife, and it's hard. Maybe you're just a son or just a daughter and in your household it's hard what are we doing with that is it possible for the king who is outside of time space and matter to reveal himself is it possible is he able to bring restoration is he able to help you with forgiveness is he able to do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine? So I went to bed last night at 8.30 because I normally get up at 4 on a Sunday. 10.15, my phone goes off. My wife wakes me up. She's like, your phone's ringing. I'm in a deep sleep. I answered my phone. It's 10.15. I said, oh, it's Joel. So Joel just moved out of home on Friday. The other three are married of my kids of the four and just moved out, moved in with some friends just down the street. So just left home and, oh, it's Joel. 
the voice on the phone wasn't Joel's voice. Just saying, I'm just calling you because Joel and his girlfriend, Ali, have just been in a wreck. Been in a car crash. He can't talk right now. He's okay, he's talking to the police. He's hit his head. Somebody ran a light. I'm hearing the information. Where is it? Okay, I'm hearing. I'm still lying in bed, listening to this. Where, 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 where? The call must be all of not even a minute long. By the time I've just said, okay, we're on our way. Melly's already up and dressed. She's already in the hallway saying, let's go. And she's like, she can hear the phone call. I mean, that's supernatural power. She can hear it. She can hear what's going on. Boy, let's go. And I'm, I'm like still, okay, here we go. I got home at 1 a.m. After going to the ER, he's hit his head, he's got a concussion, and his girlfriend Ali's broken her arm, and they're okay. But I'm trying to prepare this morning. I'm discombobulated. What if? king is the king am I inviting him in to my time my space and my matter because he's the creator of time space matter. he's the only one who can bring comfort and strength in that time space and matter and so this morning this is what I want to do. That last phrase, so he and his household. I couldn't escape that word. He and his household believed. They'd seen what the Lord did and they were like, we are in. So I'm going to invite any of you in the room right now who've got some pain in your household. Physical, relational, emotional, financial, some pain in your household. Maybe there's somebody in your household who's not a believer. Or maybe there's somebody in your household who is a believer but ain't walking with Jesus right now. That there's some, can we just say it? That there's some fracture, some brokenness in your household. Maybe a circumstance that caused it. Maybe there's an empty nest season and you're like, what? We're like, we were like 24 hours into being empty nesters and we get a phone call. I mean, I'm kind of rational. Can you imagine Mel's emotions? Like he just goes in this and he doesn't come back home to our house last night. He goes back to his. <gasps> but if there's some pain, that's what I'm going to ask. That's your household right now is going through it, I want you to stand up where you are because I, I feel I have to lead you in prayer and then we'll get prayer partners down and we'll continue with the service. Tracking? So, I want to invite you. 
If your household, anything connected to your household, there is some pain right now. Doesn't, oh, what do you mean by pain? You know what that feels like. If that is the case, I want you to stand up. Stand up. You're lying if you're not standing up. Like if no one stands up, I'm like, really? It's just me today? I got some pain. I got a ton of uncertainty. I got a ton of what now, God? You need to show your power or we're fried. Now what? If you're next to somebody who is part of your family, you're allowed some physical touch. I'd encourage that. If you're on your own and somebody near you is on their own, go pair up. Go pair up. Pair up or triple team it. So like, I'm looking over here. I see three, three ladies here. Just you three, just get together in a huddle. I, I'm gonna do the praying. Just get together, get together. You cannot do life with following Jesus alone. It's the church. When you hear announcements afterwards and the, the significance, we got it? We got it. I don't often do this, so I, I want to pray over you. I feel, I feel a, a responsibility to pray over you into your situation because my king can right so let's pray King Jesus I give my life afresh to you today King Jesus I thank you that you stepped out of glory and you took on sin so that we could become righteousness. King Jesus, we make the declaration, you are the image of the invisible God. You are before all things, beyond all things. You created all things. You hold all things together. So we make this declaration on behalf of our households right now. We invite you, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, come invade our households. Bring your peace. Bring your strength. Ignite our faith and trust in you, Lord. Bring your healing. Bring your restoration. Help us. You bring your forgiveness, but help us to forgive others. Bring your divine order into our households. We commit and we make a declaration. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I belong to Jesus Christ, the maker of heaven and earth, the king of all. We receive your grace afresh by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Can the prayer partners and staff elders please come forward right now? And as we're singing this relatively new song, More Than Able, some of you today who are standing up, you need, 
we need someone to pray over that and pray for you in that. You really need that. And even though we're not finished with today, there's something else coming after this song. If people, you still need prayer, come for prayer. Come for prayer. Come for prayer. It's too important, too important. So let's all stand. Engage with the lyric of this song. Get your heart out in it all.